maybe part of the problem is that most of the wealthy people in the world have been happily married for 30, 40 years, and they've forgotten what it's like to be at a bar at closing time. But you know, in order to know what <laughs> supply and demand looks like, go to a bar oh, at one thirty. <laughs> okay. Like... <laughs> I, I, I guess the stock market and, and you know, 2 a.m. at a bar are not all that different. Investment <laughs> is at this point of relative selection. There is relative selection there. So, Matt. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, brother, man. I tell you what, we have found the absolute perfect time just to do this podcast because we are my one o'clock Eastern time Friday afternoon on the weekends that I don't have the kids. So this is about the second time in a row that I'm just like, hey, I'm the pioneer. I see the East Coast as the pioneer into the weekend. Like we paved the way for you folks out there still working at 10 a.m. <laughs> we appreciate that. You have no idea how much we appreciate it. You guys set the tone. So. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to uh, I'm going to put this on you. I expect you to to, to really you know cut a you know, a wide swath, you know, and make sure that the uh, the week the weekend is set right for us. So by the time we get to it, it's already party time. See, I'm, my ADD's already kicked in. I was going to record this conversation uh, to the show for today because I'm I think that I can figure out how to do this in a way that I can sync up my audio and stuff so that I can at least get some video. Uh, of myself and then if I can figure out how to do that simply maybe we can get you on it too I figured I'd be the guinea pig here but um, I forgot to hit record because I didn't really think we'd get started into good content that quick but uh, you know, I, get, I guess we're uh, I should never I should just assume that the, the, we've always got one in the chamber when the when we're on the line I guess absolutely absolutely yeah we just we just go 100 percent well how's your week been man i uh it's been a roller coaster on my end as always i think but uh i haven't really touched base with you i don't think since uh, we got the last show out so how things are going oh i've been busy been busy looks like we're might be moving to a uh, a new office here pretty soon so we're kind of excited about that other than that you know it's just kind of same old grind away is the move uh, something that you're looking forward to or dreading sometimes that can be a pain if you've got to do a lot of packing and moving and all that kind of stuff both you know what i mean both it's like family reunion same kind of a thing looking forward yeah. to it but you're also slightly dreading it you know what i mean <laughs> so 100 yeah. percent, man well uh well hey dude i appreciate uh you uh taking some time again i think uh i enjoyed the last show i thought that was something we got a little bit uh i'm coming up with a new term for this i'm calling it ad derailed it's uh i'm gonna I'm, I, somehow or another i'm gonna drum up a sponsorship from adderall at some point but uh no i, I think uh, i got us a little bit sidetracked a little bit from financial topics last week but it was a fun show we'll try to be a little bit more uh to the point i think this week maybe <laughs> was, it was good it was good as far as the markets go here's an interesting take that i i've this isn't even a take it's just an observation from my lens I don't follow the markets day to day anymore. Um, it, it's something that I, I couldn't even imagine me ever saying that until a couple of years ago, but it's just not something I do. But I feel like every time I check in on it, which is probably about once a week, um, something along those lines, it's right around 4,400 S&P. Now, I know it was a lot in between those times, but it just seems like every time I check it, we're back to 4,400 S&P. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it, actually. You know, uh, checking on it every day, every hour, can drive you up a wall and it's mm -hmm. largely meaningless. Like we don't, I spend, I, I pay no attention to intraday moves. I think they're, I think they're useless and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I might be wrong. I might be right. I'm not sure, but I look at closing daily closings as somewhat of some, somewhat important. 
uh, weekly closings uh, are, are far more important. Monthly closings give you a longer-term general trend. Uh, now, some of the don't get wrong, some of the really uh, highly, highly skilled technicians out there, uh, like your Mark Newtons at Fundstrat, the guy in my book is probably the best there is. Uh, he's just incredible. He understands hourly moves, 15-minute moves, 240-hour, 240-minute moves, daily moves. You know, all, he own, he knows those things back right, uh, back right, left, and sideways. Uh, I I don't. I'm I'm not a I'm not a CMT. I'm not a uh, you know certified market technician or anything like that. Uh, but I I'm decent enough at it, and um, I tend to uh, fall back on uh, those types to see kind of what they're thinking. And you know, if you look at it every day you're not going to really get the context you need. The fact that you look at it once a week or once every week and after once every two weeks, oddly as it sounds, provides better context, in my opinion. It's funny is I've never seen, and I never thought I would see in my career, when you see, when there's a bond auction happening, you can literally watch the equity markets move around for based on the demand inside of a Dutch auction, uh, bond auction a bond Dutch auction, right? Because Dutch, Dutch, uh, Dutch auctions, you know, they, they go back and they, they keep going back until they sell everything. That's how those things work. So, you know, my guess is we're going to finish, we're going to finish this year with the 10 year, probably at around four to to four, two in that range. doesn't mean we'll get there, but that would be my guess, which means, you know, obviously a bond should rally and yield should go down. So I, not a hundred percent certain why there wasn't so much, you know, snapped up with the exception of the federal reserve. Obviously they're no longer, we, we no longer have that $60 billion, $90 billion a month, you know, built in bid like we had before. So that's gone. So that's been a problem. That's been, that's already priced in. So, you know, I think we'll just have to wait and see. I'm, I'm guessing the, the, the bond market, uh, the, the bond market folks are just, they're just a little reticent right now. That would be my guess. But, you know, that's that's why they do what they do. But let me ask you something. I was at a social setting, I guess, a family uh, cookout over the weekend. And um, I'm not in a position, uh, I guess, as much now where I get, have these conversations where someone asks you something like this. And I've been asked this in a while, but I was I was kind of dumbfounded. I wasn't really sure how to answer it. But he said uh, something about, you know, what do you think about interest rates and the economy? What's it going to do to the economy? And I thought, I don't even know what interest rates are. I know they're higher. Um, so I didn't have much of an answer, but I do want to, I guess, relay that question to you and, and, and get your thoughts. I know you said you're more, you know, you're not really a, a bond markets guy, necessarily uh, expert, but at the same time, um, neither am I. Um, I do remember at a higher level earlier in my career, you know, there, you, you read somewhere that stock markets, stock and bond markets are inversely correlated because, People go to bonds when the economy is bad because they want the safety, and they go to stocks when it's um, when it's when it's good because they want the growth. And then you also hear something else that says high interest rates. That in low interest rate environments, there's a positive correlation between stocks and bonds. And I think between in, in a lot of my career as an advisor, which was basically 2009 to 2021, that was I think the overall bond bond market correlation to equity markets probably was positive where if you look at it long term over a 50 60 year average it's you know it's it's negligible to zero there's very little correlation but i do think there may be some truth or at least whoever you know gave me that data point a long time ago there was some truth in it that basically 
if interest rates are below 5%, there's a positive correlation. But once they get above 5%, that's where you get the inverse correlation because that's where you we start to see the, the higher interest rates start to slow down the economy. But early, it's good because it shows that we're growing. Um, my Wrapping all of that huge monologue into my question is this. We have printed a shit ton of money in the last, or we've distributed and put a lot of money into the economy over the last three, four, five years. And if you want to back it up more, 15, 20 years, if you want to back it up more, 50, 60 years, okay, that's not a political statement. I don't care about it from a political standpoint. It's an objective point. We have created, we have taken something and multiplied its uh, supply multitudes over. So yeah, you have to acknowledge that in your economic thesis, whatever it is. But in light of all that, where do you, do you have an opinion on where you think we go with interest rates from here? And have we done enough cooling off to make up and, and, and put a big dent in uh, kind of correcting all that we did for those 10, 12, 13, 15, 20, 50 years? Or is this something where that runaway inflation type thing is still a, a fear? Um, because you want to know two different sides of the real estate or of the, uh, you want to see two different sides of the interest rate argument, go ask a realtor anytime what interest rates are going to do, because they always have a reason that they're going to do something to make you want to buy a house. Now they can sell you on either side of that coin. <laughs> There's always a case to be made for it going either way. Do you have an opinion on that? And most importantly, finally getting to my question, what do you think? Where do you think we are right now in terms of what that means to the equity markets? What does higher interest rates from this point mean for equity markets? And what does lower interest rates mean for equity markets? So there's a sweet spot, okay, where inter- where the economy is growing and the bond market reflects a growing economy, but the but interest rates aren't too high to restrict the economy, okay? That's when equities like it. So think of the bond market, interest rate uh, market, to equity market correlation as a very bad girlfriend or boyfriend, <laughs> depending on who you are, right? Well, this is okay. easy for me to keep up with. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when it when when things are doing well, market multiples, the S and P multiple lives at its highest average multiple when the ten year is between three and a half and five and a half percent. Okay. And you think, well, why wouldn't it be higher when it's at 2%? Well, when it's at 2%, it's reflecting a slow economy, right? It's, that's reflecting that that says GDP, you know, is could be contracting or growing at a 1%, maybe, you know, less than 1%. Okay. Whereas a three and a half to five and a half says, well, we, you know, it looks like we have a pretty strong economy um, and we might need to, they might need to cool off a little bit. Earnings should be good if we have this much demand. Uh, but then you get to where you can go too far, right? And then the correlation breaks. The, the bad girlfriend shows up, right? She was great for a while. Then all of a sudden rates get too high and the equity markets decide on a level. Okay. And right now, if I'm looking at it, I would say that level is about 4.75, 4 to 4.7 to 4.75 on the 10 year. If we get to 475 on the 10-year, where actually that was wrong, we're about 463 right now. That's going to be a problem for equities, right? So, if mark, but if yields start to fall too fast because of economic developments that cause the bond market to start running to safety, 
Okay. It'll go through a sweet spot and the equities will like it until the equity market says, wait a minute, the, the, the bond market's running ahead of us and they see something we're not seeing. And then the multiples will pull back based on a weaker economy and slower growth. So there, there is correlation until there's, there, there's not. So let's say if we're looking at not yields, but, but bond prices. So and we, have to, we have to, I think, differentiate between, are we talking about correlation between yields and equities or, 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 or bond prices and, and equity prices. So we've seen a lot of, we've seen a tremendous amount of, of price. We saw a tremendous amount of price correlation last year. We had the bond market absolutely just destroyed with a capital D in 2022. Uh, I think we talked about this a couple of shows back. Uh, the, the aggregate bond index was down, I think, nearly 15% in 2022. Large uh, investment grade corporates, that ETF, the LQD, was down 18%. Um, I actually close to 19%, I believe. Um, the S&P 500 was down 1920. So there was a lot of correlation there. This year, we've seen the equities run. Uh, the, the market, I think, finished up last night about 13.6% uh, year to date. And the ag is, you know, the aggregate bond index is effectively flat for the year. Okay. High yields have done okay. They're, but the ag is effectively flat. So we've not seen correlation. And that's because... Rates have continued to go up this year. However, you know, not 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 near to the extent uh, that we saw in 2022. Um, you know, we started we started 2023. Uh, we were at what about three seven on the ten year, and we're at four four six four seven now. Versus last year, we started I think below two percent, and or 2022 we started around two percent. We finished you know near four, so we we didn't have quite the move in in bond. We, we didn't have quite the move in yields in 2023 that we had in 2022. So bonds weren't hurt as bad, but they still have not done very, very well. So, and I think the equities have, have, have largely priced that, have largely priced that in sort of the cooling of yields. And there, however, I'm, I'm going to kind of change subjects here is as we, what, what's been sort of holding equities back this year and why they're not back to all time highs is because of the shorter end of the curve. You know, I mean, if you look at the, the tre current treasury bills, you know, the upper bound of the treasury bills, I think they're paying 5.45 today. So you go stick your money in a CD or, or put in the just a, an ETF like the BIL, which is one to three months treasury bills. Um, you know, you're getting, you know, five and a quarter percent on that with zero risk. So that's 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 represented a tremendous amount of, of, of competition for equities. I mean, you take zero risk, both in credit quality and duration and get 5%? Or do you want to run into the equity markets where, you know, we were 19, we were up 19% year to date on July 31st, and then we had a 10% pullback over the course of three months. So they were up 9%. So, so if you looked at it at the end of, if you looked at it, in fact, it was uh, the date of our last show, I believe it was uh, uh, October 27th was the closing, what, what we believe to be the closing low of 41.17 on the S&P, right? So now all of a sudden that 5%, five and a quarter percent you're getting for taking zero risk looks pretty darn attractive. Yeah. So that is where that, that's where that correlation breaks, right? That's where that bad girlfriend comes in. If it gets too high, if that, if those, if those yields get too high, well, then you have competition. The, then the yields have, then, then the equities have competition. It's so, and that's what they're kind of facing with today. So especially when we, when we start running into those, those, um, those, those, those seasonally weak periods, or if there's a, a, a hiccup in, in, in earnings. In fact, uh, I uh, looked at something yesterday. 
companies that missed earnings this quarter have been punished harder since 20 since 2011 they have not been they the, the average company that that missed earnings is down 5.2%. We haven't seen that since 2011 when it was down in 5.4. So you can just see when everything, when, when, when interest rates are where they are and there's just so much competition uh, from on the bond side now, if you're missing earnings, that money's coming out and it's going to go, it's going to go somewhere better, safer, where that's, you know, uh, a, a safer equity play or, or, or into the, or into the, uh, you know, a short-term treasury bill. Uh, you know, there's just, everything's on a razor's edge. So, you know, it's, it's, and everyone, and, and that just kind of gets into our, this, this just general sentiment that just doesn't seem to be breaking. Not so much like a daily sentiment, like you're going to see on the, on the fear, on the, on the fear and greed indicator, but this longer term sentiment, you know, and it's been very volatile, but the longer term sentiment seems to be the default is just, is to be a bear. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, many, many, many things. Um, I think I don't think people think inflation is, is is fully whipped yet, and they may turn out to be right. I don't know. The, the Fed likes that the bond market has been doing work for the Fed, because as 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 the bond market sells off and rates goes up, that tightens financial conditions. It does the same thing, right? It tightens financial conditions. So they don't they don't necessarily want the tenure falling quickly. They want to keep it. They want to keep it elevated. So. I, remember, I think it was a Bowman came out, um, Michelle Bowman, uh, the Fed governor. She came out, I think it was uh, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, saying that she's not, that she believes uh, more, uh, another rate hike is necessary, which I couldn't disagree more. I couldn't disagree more. We're already at nearly 300 basis points of restriction and based on the last four months of CPI. So, you know, there's, and, and that, that sentiment, that sort of just inflation still sticky, uh, the Federal Reserve is probably not done. It's just leading to this, 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 this default negative sentiment, and people are just bearish. And there's, there's so many people in the financial media, and just in general conversation, you probably hear it all the time. They just, they're just, ne- they're just always negative. You know, I don't know if they're they're addicted to negative, uh, bearish news or or, what I think it is is going to sound. I don't know, kind of simple and I don't, I don't mean it to be, but I think it is. I think people just believe they sound smarter when they have a bearish take over a bullish take because, and I've, and I've heard this said before, when you have a bullish take, you sound optimistic. You sound for lack of a better word, you know, childish, I guess, (laughs) rather than looking at the data that supports one side or the other, you know, and, when you when you when you take when you have a bearish take on something, you sound older, maybe wiser. Well, let's be controlled. Let's not let's let's not you know let's not let's not look well, at this me, through, through Pollyanna glasses here. Let's 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 be careful. Let's be you know let's be controlled with this. And there's there's a lot of this wisdom that is perceived through sort of a bearish take. When I couldn't disagree more because it's the bearish take that's so easy to make. There's so many things that can go wrong, right? And that's easy to do. There's endogenous events in the market, you know, bad earnings, interest rates. There's exogenous events in the world that could affect markets, the Middle East conflict, whatever it is. So it's so easy to take any, anything out there and say, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, but this, this Middle East conflict, that could, be a, that could be a big problem with oil. 
which could spike oil and that'll bring the equity markets down. Though, though, to me, that's it's. I take the opposite. I think it's. I think you sound. It sounds easy, and you don't sound, and it, because it's easy to take a bearish take, and it's more difficult to take a bullish take. You know, you you have to do a lot more homework, and come to the and come to the conclusion like like we talked about before. You don't want to have confirmation bias, right? I don't have. I'm not bullish or bearish. I am just data driven. Like this is what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing cracks in. I'm not seeing cracks in uh, in credit. I'm not seeing earnings misses. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but you know, there was, it was August. It was middle end of August. Uh, uh, one of the big, um, uh, from, from one of the very large investment banks came on very well-known uh, wealth management team uh, got on CNBC. And uh, now this is in the middle. This is basically a, 90 something percent, 92% of S&P had reported Q2. Okay. So we already had Q1 in and we had 92, 93% of Q2 in. We had earned effectively through those two quarters, $107 a share, just under 107. By the time it, by the time it was finished reporting, we were about $107 a share. Uh, this quarter, we're going to earn about $56, $57 a share. Okay. We're actually beating 82% of companies are exceeding estimates by 7%. So we're doing really, really well. Uh, is earnings a share? So, but back to, back to, back to this, uh, this, this bearish, you know, sounding better when you sound bearish this person who went on, who went on TV. Um, he sat, he sat there with a straight face with millions of people watching and said, we think the S and P is going to earn $185 a share this year. And, and I said, I, 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 like, did I hear that right? And then he, he said it again. So I went into my fact set. And I looked and I said, like, well, so we've already made $107 a share this year. And we have two more quarters to, to report Q3, which is reporting now, and Q4, which we'll report in, you know, into, into January and February of, of 2024. We'd already earned $107 a share. So what he's saying is we're only going to earn $78 a share more now between $78 a share more between the first six months and the last six months. If that was true at all in any, in any imagine in, in, in any universe, the, that you're talking about a 30, uh, whatever, a 30%, 36% reduction in earnings. So $56 a share. I mean, at 78 at $78 divided by two over two quarters. Uh, that's what I mean, frankly, that, that if, if, if he ends up being right, the slowdown in earnings alone will crash the hell out of the market. That's what I'm saying. So that you're talking about $39 a share versus right. the 56, 57. So yeah. you're talking $18 a share from 56. So you're talking nearly a, you know, 35, 40% cor uh, correction in earnings, not markets earnings, which was of course, half the multiple it would right. take the multiple from 18 to probably down to 11 okay so if that was in in and understand this this is a a big big and uh, a firm one of the one of the most well-known firms in the world and he's a big investment uh, he owns a big wealth team there they manage billions of dollars for very smart people and i'm not commenting on his anybody's intellect here thank okay? you but <laughs> that makes editing but, way easier <laughs> 
for that person to get up there and say, we're going to earn $185 a share and have effectively nearly a, you know, a 35% correction in earnings between now and the end of the year, when there's not, there's no data supporting that anywhere. Right. Okay. Just make, I think he thought he sounded smart, sounded smart saying that, but it was, it was so beyond bonkers wrong. And yet these people manage billions of dollars for very smart people. And they, and they're allowed to get on TV and say whatever they want. So for the people who are listening, our, our audience, if you have a good advisor, if you, if you trust this person, they've done a good job, you know, listening to these people on TV, you know, they're not, they're not any, just because they're on TV does not mean they're right. Okay. I mean, we're again, back to this person, we're talking about somebody who manages billions of dollars at a huge, huge firm, a huge bank. Okay. And that was so beyond wrong on so many different levels. And by the way, here we are in most of Q, most of uh, Q3 has reported, we're going to earn about $57 a share this quarter. So now we're at, oh gosh, was uh, one, 114 or 163, 164 for the year. So now we're $20, $22, $23 away from 185. Okay. So clearly there, there, there was no homework wasn't done. What, what, what we saw there was an opinion. We saw an absolute opinion that he, that this person took without doing any research to back it up. Okay. That's my opinion that not because if he had done some very simple, looked at some very simple data that, that already exists within facts or whoever you use, you would have seen that would have been a very, you know, unconventional thing to say, to, to say the least. So, you know, if that's why it's important that folks, if they have someone that they they've used for years uh, and they've done a good job, stick with them and don't, if somebody says something on TV, doesn't, they're, they're not right just because they're on TV. Trust me. Well, and, and I want to tell a quick little uh, experience, I guess, from my career as an advisor. So in 20, I think it was 2016 or 2017. Um, I, mean, I was running an RIA for my clients and working, you know, basically from home office, um, just running things on a shoestring budget. So I had CNBC running in the background all the time. And I'm not trying to pick on CNBC or anything like that. It, it, it's nothing personal or, or anything, uh, you know, isolating any one particular outlet. But, you know, you've got the term, you know, clickbait gets thrown around a lot now. Um, mm -hmm. I was on a show the other day with somebody. And I said, I want to be careful that this doesn't sound like a clickbait topic, right? I'm not trying to be clickbait. But... Clickbait's not a new concept. It's just a new, you know, a newish term. 2016, I'm sitting there. Uh, CNBC goes to commercial. It's about one o'clock on an August afternoon, something like that. And they say, you know, does this metric indicate that gold's going to go on a 15% rally in the next three months more on the other side of the break? Okay. Well, they come back and I'm just curious. I mean, I wasn't a gold bear bull, anything. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm an information addict. So I'm just like, I'll bite. Let me see what you got here. They come back with something and I don't remember what the exact statistic was, but it says something to the effect of it. And I'm almost making this up now, but it's, it's pretty close to what it was really like. Last week was the first time that we finished a month of August on a Thursday on a lunar moon since 1973. And the last three times that this <laughs> happened, it, that dates back to 1850, the average rate of return on gold for the next three months was 16.5%. And I'm sitting there like, are you freaking me? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? So my point to that is that, yeah, what you see on TV, look, it, 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 you and I can say the dumbest thing you're ever going to hear. If I have enough money to, get a, to buy enough ads, I can let 5 million people hear that stupid idea. Okay, it is so easy to get your voice out there. Your voice do you remember, do you may remember not that be any old... good at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you remember – I don't mean to interrupt. Do you remember that old gold – it was a gold company that sold gold and gold in your IRA. And there was an old guy, and he was sitting on his porch drinking his cup of coffee. Yeah, and he said, well, gold can't do nothing but make me money. This is about, like, what, 2011, 12, 13? It was – they, they ran that commercial for, I swear, it was 10 years. Yeah. He goes, gold, it just – you know, I don't have to worry about the market. It can't do nothing but make me money. I'm like yeah. – the hell it can't. <laughs> gold, gold stinks. Someone Gold's said to me awful. one time, gold is great if you like the volatility of stocks with the return of bonds. Now, that's not a yeah, comment like, on the yeah, volatility like, of gold either. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like oil. You yeah. know, if you, if, if, if you love not having money, but you love being sick all the time, with, you know, with nervous stomach pains, that gold's your thing. Look, you know, to me, I mean, I'm not saying I had a client, not I had a client a say, hey, to, in, to invest uh, in. I mean, gold could be a good asset to invest in. There's a lot of different things that are out there that have a purpose, but you need to understand what that purpose is. That's where the information comes in. If you buy gold, right, right. And you, we're, nobody, we're, we're, you should not be buying gold because you think that's what's going to make you rich. Gold is a diversifier. Okay. Well, we're not talking. Yeah, exactly. And I don't mean to be pick on gold here. What I'm talking right. about is that person got on team and says, well, gold can't do nothing but make me money. He That's said wrong. that right there on TV, and they ran that it's commercial a hundred times a day for <laughs> ten years, and you know, every, nearly every person on Earth, and and I'm I'm sure several aliens saw that commercial. It was so <laughs> used, used so widely, and they're okay? sitting out there somewhere laughing their ass off at us. Down so, here. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So we we had a client of mine called a couple of weeks ago and said, "Hey, how's how's my gold? he asked us put gold in the in the portfolio several years ago, and 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 we said. Well, uh, we sold that position out. Well, well, why? I said, because it wasn't doing anything. He goes, well, don't you need my permission to do that? I said, no, we have, it's under our discretion. And we put you in stuff that, that did do well. He goes, well, I just talked to my friend and he's worth, you know, $30 million. And he said, it's time to buy gold and silver. I said, well, he's wrong. There's, remember, remember your Sid Cottle, investment is a discipline of relative selection. There's other things to deploy capital into. Gold, I don't think is the best. He goes, well, I, he goes, I, I goes, well, gosh, we sold, and he, he started to get a little annoyed that it was sold two years ago. And I, and I said, listen, I can't give you his name, but I said, we can just buy it right back if you really want to, because you know why? It's at exactly the same price it was two years ago when we sold it. So it doesn't matter. I'm going to buy it. And then I'll, and then, so, but here's what I'll do. I'll restrict it so I can't, so that way I won't sell it until you tell me to sell it. When you're tired of not making any money and you've seen the rest of your portfolio grow by 30 or, or whatever it is percent or whatever you're going to, you're, then you're going to want to sell it, you know? So it's like, geez, you know, and, he, and he, there's, and there's another one. And this is, and it's not just, it's not just uh, television. It's, it's print media too. It's print media too. And it's, there's a, an article that was, that was released by Dow Jones today and it was published in Morningstar. Okay. And the, the subject matter is beware wall streets cash on the sidelines myth. That's, that's, that's the article. Okay. It's not a myth at all. It's not a myth at all. As more money comes into the market, it's going to increase price. That's how the whole thing is built. So I'm going to read a, a very short snippet from this article. And by the time I'm done, you'll have thought there was a gas leak in this person's house who wrote the article. Because I don't know what he was thinking, 
but this makes zero sense. So I'm going to quote from this article. The latest Federal Reserve financial accounts of the United States show these sums of money on the sidelines to be in the trillions. At the latest count, households and nonprofits held $4.4 trillion in checking accounts and, and cash, $9.8 trillion in certificates of deposits, CDs, and savings accounts of $3.5 trillion. That's $17.7 trillion on the sidelines. Understand the S&P 500 has a market cap of about $55 trillion. So that is a significant percentage of the market, okay, about a third. That's one-third of the entire S&P 500. So what's to prevent some of that money from coming into the market? Simple, the fallacy of composition, okay? To put it simply, every time, this is where it gets really stupid. Every hey, I'm time gonna, I'm going to interrupt here. If you are a listener who has zoned out for a little bit of at any point in time, I think I want to alert you here and say, like, let's pay back attention here because – Fallacy of composition is a new one to me, and I my ears perked up. I want to hear what the hell is. What, what is a fallacy of composition? Okay. okay. Yeah. This is where I'm pretty sure this article was written in crayons. Okay. And when he got finished writing it, he ate the crayons. Okay. <laughs> right. To put it simply, every time a stock is bought, one must be sold. Oh, who knew? If someone with 10000 in the bank turns bullish on stocks and decides to invest that money in the stock market, they can only make an investment by finding existing shareholders who are willing to, to sell their shares in return for $10,000. The money and the stock change hands, sure, but that's all. So apparently the market doesn't move at all until there is money released from treasury stock or the IPO or there's, bought, or there's uh, share buybacks. Okay, the demand of money coming into the stock market changes nothing apparently to this to this article. Okay, that is so beyond dumb. I I I don't even know where to begin. Sure, but that's all. No, because that is ten thousand dollars more in demand than there was before, and it's going to raise prices of the equity positions by the exact percentage of 10,000 to 55 trillion, which is obviously a very small percentage and probably wouldn't move the market at all, but 17.7 trillion in extra demand. I can, you can bet your bottom dollar that's going to move prices up. That's going to increase multiple because guess what, Mr. Dow Jones guy, what we're paid to do is grow our clients money. And that's how we do it by deploying their capital that will have higher future demand, thus increasing the prices and their wealth. So I want to, this guy, this guy, honestly, he needs to go back to the sandbox and, you know, and, and play with toys. This is terrible. Let me, let me tell you something though. There, there is a really interesting thing that I've observed lately. Um, I mean, and I think I've been, I've been, I've observed it more and more and more as I've looked for it more. Some really smart people miss some really obvious things right in front of their eyes sometimes. And I'll give you an example of this during COVID. Um, and I don't think this guy will listen to this show in particular. If he ever does, uh, love you, brother, and I don't mean to pick on you. But I, I don't feel bad saying this because I made fun of him to, to his face when he said it. So I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong now by broadcasting. Um, but he owned Yeah, screw him. Yeah, exactly. Hey, he's one of my best friends in the world. We, he can deal with it. But um, during COVID, he owned something. And this is when COVID was crazy. The market was nuts during COVID. I mean, as a professional who's been through it, that was a market of a lifetime in whether you did well or poorly or whatever through it. It's not that it's just, that was a market of a lifetime to trade through. It was not like anything else I've ever experienced, but 
he calls me one day and he says, I own this thing and it's gone down in price or it's gone up in price. And I don't understand how it's gone up in price. I think it was like a VIX product where it was directly tied to the VIX or it might've even been like a hedge product where it was just put options basically. And the market was up and so was his position. And he couldn't figure yeah, out. Yeah. What you're talking, what you're talking about there, it was, it was called the VXX. That's an ETN. It's an exchange. It's an exchange well, actually, traded that's, note. That's not. This was an ETF. I'm not going to quote specifically what it was, just in case I shouldn't. I, it, it was. I know what the ETF was. I can tell you offline what it was. But it was, okay. it was an ETF that he had. That it was just the uh, the the NAV was had gone down, but uh-huh. the bid had gone up. Now this is not the funny part of the story or the interesting part of the story. Well, the interesting part of the story is this. He says I can't understand why it is up. And I said, well, then you should sell it. And then when it reverts back to normal, you'll get to buy it. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, this is a volatile product. Okay. We're not talking about a small move. This is like an 8% move. Right. So I'm like, you should sell it. And then when it goes back to normal, you'll be able to buy it back tomorrow for like 20% less. He's like, well, I don't want to sell it because if I sell it right now, because I mean, the market can turn on a dime and I can miss it. I said, well, you just answered your own question about why it's up then because nobody's willing to sell it. You included. Right. This guy is like a 15, 20 year CFP. And he's like, damn, I didn't think about that. It's like, yeah, you are part of the problem. You understand that, right? Like we all as market participants are part of the, the market that we're talking about. He's sitting there saying like, I don't understand why it's gone down, why it's gone up. Well, have you sold yours? No, it's going to be worth more tomorrow. That's why everybody else isn't selling theirs too. <laughs> like it doesn't have to make sense on paper. If everybody else knows the same thing that you do, it's going to be reflected. So, um, I think it's funny to me sometimes the smarter we are, the more we can miss the obvious things. But hey, look, maybe part of the problem is that most of the wealthy people in the world have been happily married for 30, 40 years, and they've forgotten what it's like to be at a bar at closing time. But if you want to know what <laughs> supply and demand looks like, go to a bar oh, at one thirty. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like... <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to count my lucky stars. Uh, my, my wife is incredibly beautiful, and I don't have those problems. <laughs> My well my wife's only problem is she I like I think she needs LASIK because if you see me and you see her like there's something clearly wrong over there, uh, yeah she needs eye surgery, uh, but you know um, back in my single days sure I, I know exactly what you mean, and that 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 gets you back to I, I I guess the stock market and and you know two a.m. at a bar are not all that different investment <laughs> is the discipline of relative selection there is relative selection there at the end of the night what do you have there well. I don't know. Yes, yeah, she has most of her teeth and and you know some of her hair. Uh, only one club foot. Eh, <laughs> that's okay. I guess that I can I can make this work. You know what I mean? And 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 you know that that's like a market like twenty twenty one. Just buy anything. You know. So uh, we're going we're we're going right to hell for this show, and we should, <laughs> and that's fine. You know, that's fine. Um, but it's like why why why. Let's take Apple. That's a great. That that that's probably that, that's a little. That's a probably a little more clear case of, of. Well, I'm not selling that. And to be fair, Apple is one of our core positions in many of our portfolios. I removed it from one of the portfolios. Replaced actually replaced it with Nvidia lately, only because I want that one to just have a little more alpha. But it still maintains a position in two of the ETFs that's in there, anyways, right? But you can say, well, yeah, but I'm not selling my Apple. I'm not selling my Microsoft. No matter what happens. You'll get you'll get the the general moves based on macro data or whatever happens with interest rates, but you're going to have this core group 
of, uh, and it's, I think it's, it's a large part of the market for, unless something really goes sideways economically, or they're, they're not going to sell. And why? I mean, a lot of these people have owned Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon for you know, 15, 20 years now. The gains in those are so huge. If they sell them, you know, the IRS is going to have a field day. You know, you're going to see all these IRS agents, you know, going to appointments in Cadillacs with the amount of capital gains taxes we're going to have to pay on these things. So, and on, on top of, we have more 401k participation than we've had in a long time. So we have this kind of weekly bid under the market. So it's just, you know, there's, there's not, there's, we get, we, we get general moves in the market. Sure. And this, this little pullback that we had over the last, it was, it was a pretty classic 90 day, 10% pullback. Okay. And it's not that we had a tremendous amount of selling. Cause if you remember that, that three month period, there wasn't any real volatile days. It was just kind of this slow moving 10% correction. It had some pops here a little bit in uh, September, a little popped in a little bit of October, but for the most part, it, it, it was pretty slow moving. We had a, a, a buyer strike. We just didn't have any buyers. You didn't have a, you didn't have a tremendous amount of sellers or anything. You didn't have a high selling volume. You just, you just didn't have a lot of buyers and uh, going as we look into the future, the only problem I see sort of the chase, I think we're going to is, is the chase that these mar that the, the, these market participants are going to have, um, you know, and then, so they don't miss out on the rest of the year. Uh, but as far as the problem, the underlying problem that has not completely resolved itself, and I'm saying that it won't is breadth. We're not, we're not getting, we, we got that real great breadth move in that started in May and went through into July. And we had a lot of that bleed off in the last 90 days. So what's been holding the markets up, uh, these, you know, or the move from the last uh, nine out of 10 days that we include today has been largely uh, large cap tech. So we're going to need to see uh, participation from the other sectors. We're going to need to see participation from healthcare. We're going to see participation from uh, financials because those are the two other large sectors. Uh, comm services has been good, but we're going to start, we're going to start to need to see industrials, uh, you know, banks, those types start to participate as well or the market's just going to get a little top heavy and we're and, and it's it's going to get an it's going to get an air pocket underneath it i think yeah well man uh enjoyed it as always uh thanks for coming on here and yeah i think uh in a couple of weeks here there's uh there's a whole lot of things that i think we could have uh have dove a little bit further into today we didn't have time for so uh we'll see how things play out but appreciate your insights man all right dude well you have a great weekend and uh i you know i'm looking to you for uh Getting the weekend started off right for us here on the left coast. Hey, man. Cheers to you. Well, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Cheers. See you, man.